time for us to check in on everything that has been happening in the United States this week. Reggie Cicchini joins us now, our Washington correspondent for Global News. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Okay, I'm going to start with the question that you've been getting, I've been getting all week, is what is going on with all these shootings in people's driveways? Uh, I mean, the short answer is guns. Uh, the, the, the reason that these shootings are happening is because there is a gun issue in this country, uh, so much so that if you look at just the, the broad stats before we look into these matters, uh, there are 120 guns in America for every 100 people. There is no other nation on Earth that is in a situation like that. Um, and it results in indiscriminate um unnecessary rounds of gun violence. And oftentimes that can put me in a position of crossing an editorial line, but I've covered so many mass shootings and individual shootings Stop in this it. country since I've been here um, that patterns uh, start to 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 form. Uh, and when you have, you know, over the course of a week, the situation of a 16-year-old knocking on the wrong door, somebody in upstate New York pulling into the wrong driveway and somebody with a rifle shoots numerous people killing one when you have a six-year-old girl shot because her basketball rolled onto the lawn of, uh, of a North Carolina homeowner who then fled and had to be arrested hundreds of miles away in Florida, the question becomes, the, uh, the question begs or, or, or looks at the accessibility of guns and why so many people have access to guns that maybe don't need to have guns. I was also thinking the other one, too. I think this one was in Texas where the girls, they, she just got into the wrong car. She tried to get into the wrong car. She was mistook it for her own car, just tried the door handle and somebody shot her. Yeah, and, and this is a growing problem. We have seen, um, you know, report after report come out to say that there needs to be something done to curb gun violence or at least stump, stem gun ownership. The, the the president has said that he's essentially exhausted all options um, from the Oval Office when it comes to executive action to be able to put some other kind of gun reform or gun legislation in place, leaving that to Congress, who obviously is deadlocked on, on the matter here. Uh, and unfortunately, this country will find itself in a situation of seeing these kinds of indiscriminate shootings continue because there there is no way to end that. Right. Okay. So obviously that's an ongoing issue, as is what we have going on right now with the battle for abortion rights in the United States. What is with this um, delayed court decision that is going on? It's a good question. We don't know what the reason for the delay was. It was announced on Wednesday. It's a self it, Wednesday was a self-imposed deadline by Justice Samuel Alito to have a decision made not on the broad issue of mifepristone and its availability in the United States. This is solely looking at restrictions on the pill while the court battle uh, plays out. They put a Friday, a today deadline of 11:59 p.m. We'll have to wait to find out precisely what the judge, uh, what the court is going to rule. But the reason for the delay could be that there was indecisiveness amongst the uh, justices on the court and how they want to move forward. And, you know, from 30,000 feet, what this is looking at is uh, the competing appeals decisions that were made on the banning of mifepristone. It can remain on shelves, but there was an appeal made to restrictions on how many times somebody needs to go to a doctor or the ability to access it via telehealth or in the mail. That is what is being figured out right now. And we should have an answer on that sometime in the next few hours. Okay, and so this, the battle over this one is a little bit different, right, Reggie? Because uh, this is a, a medication that was approved by the Federal Drug Administration. 
Yes. So to step back on this, it was a fight that started last year with a, uh, an anti-abortion group who, who found a judge that was sympathetic to the cause to ban this pill in general, saying that it is not safe, despite the fact that it has more than 20 years of facts and science behind it. Uh, that is now playing out. There was then the appeals decisions that came to potentially banning it or putting restrictions on it or, you know, leaving some restrictions on it. That is a long battle that is going to continue to play out. All we're waiting for right now is a decision on whether or not restrictions to this widely used pill, Mifepristone, are going to remain in place. You know, there's going to be a reaction one way or the other once this decision comes down. Okay, and since we talked a bit about the Supreme Court there, I think we should jump on to the Clarence Thomas uh, story as well. We, we touched on it last week, but there were even more developments this week. Yeah, and, and, and the developments are linked to um, improperly filed disclosure forms when it comes to uh, financial uh, issues that are surrounding the justice, including decades of lavish gifts being handed to him or being accepted from a billionaire Republican donor. This is on top of other financial and ethical issues that Clarence Thomas has been facing now for the last several years. And there is a growing call amongst Democrats for the justice to resign. There is an overarching question, though, as to why the Supreme Court doesn't really have a code of ethics that it has to follow like lower courts do. And there are some trying to push, well, maybe Congress needs to legislate uh, a code of ethics for the high bench to to be able to follow, which would then raises a question of the separation of powers. Can somebody legislate a co-equal branch of government? At the end of the day, this is going to be up to either the justice to figure this out or Supreme Court Justice um, uh, uh, Thomas Roberts, who leads the bench, to open up an investigation. He's been called to testify before the Senate. It's unclear if that's going to happen. But again, all this does is put further questions of accountability on the country's highest court. Right, because it's not just about the the trips that he accepted, Clarence Thomas now, right? Because it's also about um, disclosures that he had on his forums, about where he was getting income from. It sounds like there was like more to this. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when there are already concerns that he may have ties to conservative-leaning groups that may have had influence on decisions that have been made uh, or at least signed off on by the justice, not just recently, but over his tenure on the bench. And again, it calls into question whether or not the court could be doing something more to ensure that justices are following ethical codes. Second question being, Simi, if the court were to create its own code of ethics, are the justices just going to write it so that they can kind of skirt around the rules? Those are kind hmm. of the open-ended questions right now. Oh, boy. Okay. And I have to touch on some entertainment news uh, as well. Alec Baldwin is what, – what happened? Involuntary manslaughter charges were now dropped against him? They have been dropped, uh, but the it is important to note here that just because they've been dropped, uh, prosecutors saying it doesn't mean that they can't be refiled. They just say that the evidence needs to be looked at further, that an investigation needs to be broadened. Uh, Alec Baldwin uh, says that he is uh, innocent. He has continued to to claim his innocence and says that, you know, anything that happened on the set uh, was was sheerly accidental and he had no intent of, of, of harming or killing anybody on that set. There are questions over... Uh, the gun itself and whether or not there were some tampering here. And because of all of that, there are no charges, or at least the charges have been pulled. But again, that doesn't mean that it is case closed. There are others that are facing charges in this matter. There have already been probation sentences that have been handed down. And prosecutors say, look, as this investigation moves forward, 
there is a real chance here that this could continue to be an issue for for Mr. Baldwin. So it's it's clear for now, mm. but for how long, we don't know. Okay, and um, before I let you go, we have to talk a little presidential politics here too, because we know that Donald Trump is running for president. We think Ron DeSantis is running for president. He hasn't said that yet. Uh, and now we're hearing that maybe Joe Biden is finally going to make this official. Yeah, I mean, number one on Ron DeSantis at the beginning of the year, he was up 14 points over Donald Trump. He's now trailing by more than 15 points, according to the poll. So there's an issue there. And he's not even in the race. Joe Biden was widely expected to announce possibly within the next couple of weeks, even sometime maybe in October. We now are hearing that it could be on Tuesday that a video is going to drop announcing that he is putting his hat in the race for 2024. That would be the four year anniversary to when he announced in 2019 that he was running for 2020. The Democratic Party is mostly lined up. 81% of the party essentially says that they would vote for uh, Joe Biden. The question becomes, is his age going to be a factor for some people? He would be 86 years old in his final year if he were to get a second term. There are already questions about senators of an advanced age and whether or not they have the mental acuity to be in that position. Is that going to register with voters if he decides to run on Election Day? Oh, I think it might. All right, Reggie, thank you. Thank you. Have a great week. That is Reggie Cicchini, our Global News Washington correspondent, once again, just scratching the surface of all the stories out of the United States this week. And once again, another fascinating week for our neighbors to the south.